Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Thanks for tuning in to RGA's The Four A's and Adweek's Beyond the Pledge podcast series, where we pose and discuss tough topics on equity, diversity, and inclusion. We also tear down myths and discuss how we can hold brands and agencies accountable and what actions they can take to truly put equity first. I'm your Beyond the Pledge series host, Jai Tedeschi. In July 2020, RGA published our U.S. diversity data for the first time and began the process of breaking and remaking our culture to make RGA a place in which everyone can succeed, regardless of how you identify. We wanted to understand the nature of our own problem, so we did what we would do for any strategic project. We listened, we researched, and we looked for opportunities and behaviors that would give us the best chance of success. It's important to note that this is not a success story and we are not patting ourselves on the back. We know we have a lot of work to do and we are doing the work. We're also actively sharing our EDI data every quarter with the most recent numbers shared in February, 2021. And on that note, I'm joined today by RGA Global CEO, Sean Lyons and Marla Kaplowitz, CEO of the 4As, which represents advertising agencies, big and small across America. We will discuss the ongoing process of equity and diversity creation from an industry perspective and our own. And we'll dive into why EDI data sharing is crucial for companies looking to accelerate their own path towards an anti-racist, equitable culture. We will discuss the ongoing process of equity and diversity creation from an industry perspective and our own. And we'll dive into why EDI data sharing is crucial for companies looking to accelerate their own path towards an anti-racist, equitable culture. Welcome, Marla and Sean. Thank you. Thank you, Jai. Hi, Marla. Hello. Great. So to kick off the conversation, I want to start by sharing some data points from RGA's recent diversity data. As per the rest of the industry, we have seen limited hires over the last few months. So our racial equity composition remains flat. However, following the latest review cycle, in October, we have seen an increase in black representation at the executive level 
by four percentage points. Now, this is a great progression, but we still have a lot of work to do to ensure our 36% of BIPOC representation progress as they are largely in junior and mid-level positions across the company. I believe sharing this data is supremely important and a powerful proof point needed so we can make shining a light on the situation and holding companies accountable to the composition of their workforce. Data transparency lays the groundwork for systemic change. So it's evident that while we are taking steps towards ensuring RGA is an equitable work environment for our BIPOC employees, we know there's still work to be done. So Sean, let's talk about our Make Change framework. What is it and how does it keep us accountable as a company? Great. Thank you, Jai. Appreciate that. I think we have to talk about the data sharing briefly first. This is important because for us, that transparency was the first step. And there was probably about a three or four month gap between when we first shared our data and then when we released the Make Change Playbook framework inside the company. That was three to four very tense months, honestly, because there's a lot of expectation around us to drive action immediately. And I think, as you hinted at, Jai, the key for us was understanding the nature of our own problem. So what are the unique attributes about RGA that we have to look to change? What are common across the industry? What are people telling us, not just through surveys, but through speaking to them directly over the course of several months? So how that was done is as important as the playbook itself, honestly, because there's often a quick rush to jump on something and proclaim and pledge, which I understand that feeling. I understand that urge. And some of it's driven by shame, honestly, by not having done things before. Some is driven by the need to act immediately, like a lot of executives try to do. But we as a team made sure that we spent that time to listen. So with the Make Change Playbook, the reason it holds us accountable is because it's tied in with that, with the sharing of the data publicly and internally in the company. And I think the other part about it, Jai, and a big part of your role, which is what's so exciting, you being in your new role, is that it's at the center of the company. It's in the operations group. So it's, it's in the places where the hiring is made, where the compensation and review cycles are done where all the different policies and, and uh, programs are. So I'd say that that is another key component to it. So it's really the combination of those three things, who's helping us lead the program, the playbook itself, and of course, transparently sharing the data. Those three things work together to make sure that we hold ourselves accountable. Absolutely. And so with this data being shared now, where do you see RGA being in the next six months? Or what systems are we putting in place and steps that we're taking to actually get there? Predicting the future is difficult. We'll tell you, though, they'll be, we'll be sharing the data every quarter consistently. And that habit, that discipline is, is essential because there's going to be things that go well, things that don't work, and we're going to have to confront those things, right? And that's why the benefit of publishing the data is so important. Because if, if you don't do that, it's easier to not hold yourself accountable as a company, honestly. They would speak about this for the industry broadly as we go in a minute. So I would say what I'd love to see is actually more partnership with clients in these areas because it's really effective when you get a client involved. And Verizon in particular has taken such a leadership position in this area over the past four years. We've worked with them and the other agencies in the um, IAT, you know, the agency team, to really figure out how to work together as a group to advance. And that, that also includes doing programs that are, go cross-agency and cross-holding company. And when you have the client connected at the center of this, you can drive a lot of change. So I'd like to see more collaborations with clients like Verizon. Marla, we'd love to hear about the four A's. 
and what you're doing both inside of your org and industry-wide towards equity and, uh, more importantly, accountability. Thanks, Jai. As the forays represents the agency community, it's important that we are not just saying, but also doing what we put out as best practice internally. So we actually published our diversity data over the summer. We are continuing to update that information and we'll republish again at the beginning of next year because one of the learnings we realized this summer was that that data is being captured in very different ways. The EEOC has very limited definitions. We believe it should be much more expansive to truly understand your true diversity from a race ethnicity standpoint, but you can even go much broader than that. We are also finalizing a comprehensive training and equity plan that addresses our areas of opportunity internally, while also establishing benchmarks to measure progress. And I will just reiterate, and as as Sean said, there shouldn't be shame in this. This is about recognizing where you're at, understanding the data, and then moving forward with goals. And you have to be able to deliver against that. And over the summer, we also put out a diversity survey and we asked agencies to participate, both members and non-members, to share their data from 2018 and 2019. We had 165 agencies participate with over 40,000 employees represented. That number needs to be much higher This is a survey where we are not publishing individual agency results, although that would be great if every agency published. Again, you should not be afraid of this information. This is being honest. And the numbers were disappointing, but not surprising when it comes to diversity of BIPOC at a leadership level. And you've also acknowledged that, Jai. I think one of the challenges is how do we make sure that we get everyone comfortable that we need to not only gather the data, share it, but also we need this to drive the meaningful change. So another effort that we put in place recently at an industry level was to get together roughly 300 professionals, primarily in the HR and talent sphere, but also from a leadership perspective, to come together for an equity and inclusion Congress. And this was to create a manifesto for the industry that would address five areas of focus, recruiting, retention, learning and development, reporting and measurement, and then building and sustaining a team. And each area has a plan with actions as well as metrics across independent agencies, holding company agencies, and then the industry. And it's important that we continue to track this over time. So this plan was established to look at the next two, five, and 10 years. We recognize that this has been a systemic issue for decades. And we cannot change it overnight, but we have to commit to that change now and we have to track it. So the goal is to come together every year and track that change and make iterative shifts as needed. Uh, And then one other change that we made for the industry was we launched a new program from the 4A's foundation called Vanguard. And we're thrilled that RGA is part of that. And that addresses systemic challenges by providing a platform for growth, impact, and exposure of participants, leaders, as well as organizations that are truly committed to preparing Black talent and the industry for a lifetime of sustainable success. So there's a lot of different areas that we are trying to impact, but ultimately we view our role as helping the agencies deliver the change that is needed in this time that we're in right now. That's fantastic. And I heard you mention that the data could be somewhat limited. 
whatever data points do you think is important to consider as we move forward with this transparency? Sure. So we believe that this has to be beyond just race and ethnicity. That is where we've started, but it needs to go beyond. If we're really talking about equity, we need to be looking at areas like pay equity. Diversity includes everything from gender and race, ethnicity, but also sexual orientation. There are other areas that we actually address in our workplace enlightenment certification, like faith, people with disabilities, you need to understand a lot more about that. But it's also sensitive data that you're gathering from your employees, so they have to be comfortable sharing that information. But we also need to be tracking your attraction, your retention. How are you promoting these individuals within your organization? How does that compare? And then you need to be able to put in place actions that will deliver against those goals and metrics that you're trying to measure over time to show the impact. Completely agree. I think what's super interesting as well, looking at the data, would be the intersections. Intersectionality is just, it shows a different light to things and it gives you that depth that you need that we can be missing from some of our data points. So it's, it's awesome to hear that and trying to expand that in the industry. So Sean, in your view, what other KPIs and data points do you think matter? Uh, thanks, Jai. So I'll first say what the forays is doing is great to aggregate industry-wide data, because we, we know that there's a lot of movement between different agencies and companies within their industry, and it's important for us to look at the whole industry as best we can. Now, it's a, it's a broad industry filled with many big agencies and holding companies and other small agencies, and I think that's a, a really important step, and I appreciate what Marla is doing there, and she has our support as our GA to keep pushing that forward. And I happen to believe in the fact that as an agency leader, you should be publishing your data under the name of your, your company just because it helps the people we're trying to help. I understand from that information where I might be going for a role. It creates competition, which is healthy, to be honest with you, in a a case like this, where we have to make up a lot of lost ground. So that's something I've talked to several agency leaders about and Marla to try to get people to feel comfortable with that. And that's also why we went out and did that very early, because we knew that would help drive change. So when I think about the data, I think there's a few things to think about. It's, you can quickly get mired in the data, right? And talk about the data, the data. The data is representative people, individuals. And Jai just pointed out the fact that you have to look at the intersections as well. So everybody has their own story, their own, their own background, their own you know, story to tell, essentially. So you do have to think about both. You have to think about that individual person you're speaking to, and then the big macro view. And, and at our company, we can do both, which is good. We're not, we're not so big that we can't uh, manage that. The other thing about the data is that first, we have to publish it consistently. So as Marla mentioned, the EEOC data is very limited in terms of what they're sharing. I think having a standard across the industry and having a standard across agencies is important because we can track those over time and then compare. You're comparing because you can then say, well, what did you guys do to make this better? What programs did you put in place that allowed you to to make sure your attrition rate was so low for this population? Great. We can have a conversation about that and we can actually help each other. That's why that consistency over time is really important. Think about the biggest data collection processes in the world, like the census. There's a consistency to that every 10 years, and you're able to kind of measure against that. The other thing about the data is that you have to be comfortable with some smaller numbers. It's okay. Don't look for just sets of data where the sample size is big enough to where you think you can make a a judgment. Infer. If there's a population of a small population of people, particular type in your company, maybe 10, you still have plenty of data to work from. So don't ignore small numbers like you do often when you're pursuing marketing initiatives. You often will ignore small numbers. Don't do it in the case of, of diversity. As far as what other data points matter, I would say 
Attrition is significant. I think that's important because you have to understand the uh, environment and the culture you're bringing people into or the reasons that are motivating people to leave or stay. So I'd say that is, is one that we published that I think would be, should continually be, be published. I'd say the other piece is how people are feeling. And there's many ways to measure how people feel. There's engagement. You do that through surveys. You can do that through listening groups. But that aspect is essential. And I think each agency has to really figure out the best way to determine that. We have ongoing surveys that we issue. We also have ongoing listening sessions where we can get that. So those other factors really um, play in a lot for us. So I think those are the key data points that matter for me. That's great. I also found through taking on this role that the data gives you all the answers. All the solutions are actually in the data and patterns form. You can see it over time. And that has been vital in any sort of planning that we've been doing. And that's exactly what we do for our clients. And it's been great to do that for internally for our company to look at, you know, what's happening with our junior talent over the years. Is it a progression issue? Is it a hiring issue? Is it a retention issue? So I think it's super important to, for us to continually learn and see the results of the work that we're doing. So a follow-up question for you, Sean. Why do you want RGA to be a leader in this regard? I think we acted on behalf of all the RGA employees initially. And honestly, back in July, in terms of the first step of us sharing our data, I actually expected a lot more agencies to follow suit. Not because of us, just because of the power involved in doing that. I think I know what cooperation can lead to when you're having agencies work together with clients and industry groups. So I've seen the power of that over time. And I think that's also why I realized that with our experience, our unique experience, we can we can talk about that more. We can publish that more. We can get more people in. So if that's what that means to be a leader, then then great. And I think it's it's really just about getting us all to reckon with the problem and actually internalize it and work on it and fix it. As you just said, Jai, the data will tell you nearly everything you need to know. And there's a reason why people don't publish it. Think about the health. I've talked about this analogy before. It's part of being a healthy company. It's part of being a healthy agency. It's like being a healthy person. You have to go to the doctor. You have to get checked. You have to understand what your, your vitals look like. And that's an ongoing thing for the rest of your life. It's the same thing here. So that sustained effort is what's most important to me. And I think our influence will just be through our own employees and also through the collaborations that we have with our clients and, and with organizations like the 4As. So Marla, I had the pleasure of having a conversation with Simon Fenwick, and we talked about the difficulty that comes with putting equity at the forefront of the conversation, mainly because it's not visible, you know, it's an invisible entity and it's harder, it's harder to show. So what are your thoughts on how as an industry we can move towards more data transparency, specifically in equity? And also how should we be measuring this? I just want to echo Sean's comment about the health check. You you don't go to the doctor without having tests and diagnostics done and understanding, okay, well, where are you today versus where you were at your last visit? It is so important to the conversation and understanding. So I, I think that's a fantastic way to think of it. And you started off at the beginning, Jai, by saying, we just took a step back and said, well, what do we need to do to address this issue? It's the same thing we would do if we were talking to a client. And agencies are working with clients every day 
to create measurement plans. Knowing Gaozing creates content or media plans or PR efforts without creating a measurement plan to understand the effectiveness of what you are doing. And it's the same that agencies need to apply to the equity piece internally. And we talked about a number of different areas that you can measure, but understanding the importance of that, but not just why you keep that internally, but how you can help others. And one thing that this year has done in a positive way, first call it the dual pandemics from COVID-19 to systemic racism is that it got people to realize they needed to focus on collaboration over competition. So we have to stop being precious. And that's what I think is so wonderful about what RGA is doing. You're putting it all out there. You're being very open source about this. And we need to move to a place of open source inclusivity. And that's about sharing how we do the work how we make this change. There's no one right way. We're going to learn, we're going to make mistakes, but how do we share that learning along the way to help every organization be as healthy as possible? I love the concept of open source, open source inclusivity and sharing. Um, And Sean, you mentioned in your previous answer about that RGA, when we did our data release, we also looked at how people are feeling. Can you talk a little bit more about that and why you think that was important to do? Sure. And I think there's two levels of, of doing that. As I mentioned, Jai, there's the broader full employee base engagement survey that you'll do, right? When we do them annually, ideally they'd be done more frequently, but you also have to be aware of survey fatigue when you're always asking your employees how they feel. That's not the best method. So we try to do it you know, sparingly, but comprehensively at a broad level. Then there's also the meeting with small groups of employees. One benefit of, of, this, of the Zoom world we're living in is that I've been able to have listening sessions with employees across the world. Smaller groups of employees, 10 at a time, spending an hour, sometimes just sitting in silence, honestly, while people get ready to ask a question or just to share how they're feeling. So there's no, there's no one best method of getting people to share how they feel. But that's it, right? That's the crux of who we are. If you don't understand how somebody's feeling, about their role, about the job that they're in, about the company, you're not going to be able to fix those issues that might come up. Or you're not going to be able to hear the things that they found were extremely helpful, and then you can amplify those things. All good companies understand and know how to listen. Do all good companies know how to listen as it relates to equity, racial equity, pay equity? No, they don't. And I think that requires a new language, learning how to talk about race openly, comfortably, learning how to talk about bias that exists in inside society, which then goes inside of companies, it's important to, to grapple all that stuff. And that, that's the foundation for this. You also have to understand that how you can actually help as a company. What can we do to help people advance, right? When you think about equity at its base, how do we make sure people are being treated fairly, their job experience is being taken into account, their education, their work experience, their tenure, the role that they're in. You have to make sure all these things get taken into account. And these things are human processes too, which is interesting, right? And so human processes sometimes are, are prone to error. So how do you create a process that where you can double check them? So when we think about these things, we have a very rigorous compensation cycle, a very rigorous review cycle, which includes our own checks on the inside, but also third parties coming in and checking all of our decisions, which really helps make sure that we're looking at things from every angle. So I'd say that that is another aspect because that builds trust with the team, that builds trust with the company, that you're putting so much rigor behind, behind the process. So that's what I would say about in terms of how we look at equity. I agree. And I feel the diversity data tells you the who, but the equity questions tells you why. 
And it's something I'd love to see happen across the industry because I don't think we're really getting to the root of it if we don't figure out why people are feeling like that. Can you be your authentic self? Is your voice heard? Do you feel valued? I think those things start to answer some questions as to why the numbers look as they do. Okay, so moving on to next steps. So there's been a lot of debate about the tech industry's release of their salary data. It's a big one. So some people oppose the move, saying it erodes personal performance from the equation. But in my opinion, I think this actually makes pay more equitable for the BIPOC community. And this brings me back to when there was a spreadsheet sharing advertising pay. I think it was a year or so ago, and it, it kind of went around um, the industry, and everyone was checking and resharing with each other. It became hot news. So, um, Marla, how do you see the progression in the advertising industry around sharing salary data in a bid for equitable pay? Yeah, this is always interesting because we do an annual salary survey, labor survey, and that is something that is helpful for agencies to understand what are the different salaries at different bands. There's also different salary levels depending upon what geography you're in. I think that's going to change moving forward as we've sort of proven people can work from anywhere. I know that there are some tech companies that actually pay you less if you live in a city that is not as expensive. I think we're going to move away from that kind of micromanaging of that. Salary at a band level. So I've always been in organizations where you know when you get to the next band, you know what the starting salary is. And then performance comes into play. And many companies are a pay for performance. So you need to be able to manage that. So I think if you can be transparent about what are the various bands within a level, I think that's very helpful. But that gets back to transparency and understanding what the equity can look like. And then you have to make sure that you are properly assessing people, not just subjectively, but you have to be objective to ensure that pay for performance is appropriately allocated. It is challenging. And I also think it's generational. More senior people are not used to sharing their salary. Other people are. And it also just depends on how you were raised in terms of sharing that information. So there's a few hurdles that we need to get over. But I think at a minimum, it will help, to your point, particularly for the BIPOC community to get to a greater equity in terms of the pay piece as well as other areas. And Sean, I'd, I'd love to hear from you too. Yeah, I think, I think you have to, it starts with trust. So am I joining a company that I trust? Am I being guided along in my career? So starting with, am I being given feedback on my performance? Am I being given opportunities to advance? Are the jobs that are coming up inside the company, are they published inside the company first before they're published outside? So a lot of steps have to go into creating an equitable kind of job opportunity environment. And a key piece of it begins with that performance reviews and being able to have really good reviews that are an exchange. That's essential. The other pieces you have to think about is, well, what we're trying to do, we're trying to make sure that people are paid fairly and consistently, taking into account the job that they're doing, their work experience, the tenure that they've had, and that those things have to be brought into, into bear. Then as you think about it, you want to make sure that you're rewarding people who are doing really well. You're giving people who need some work uh, feedback. That's essential. I think we're comfortable sharing how we've handled the pay equity story by population, not by individual, obviously. 
and by group. And we've done that a little bit internally. We're talking about maybe doing that externally. I think that would be good to have some standards with a partner first. But it's key to know that this stuff is a human process. And I've said this before. So you have to have a double check on that. So you have to have a process inside the company that involves the management, the department heads, the holding company. You also should consider getting a third party in to audit that data, which we do. It's important to understand that you're paying fairly across the board and that the reviews line up and that the process is, is uh, clear. So that, that's exactly what we try to do and we try to communicate uh, to our teams. Totally agree. Optional one here, because just thinking of pay equity, I think the industry has got so much more complex. You know, we have marketing science and, and data. We have media. We, we're just so much more diverse when it comes to the type of work that we do. How much do you think standardizing of job titles coming from somebody with a non-standard job title um, is going to be uh, beneficial to helping with that sort of pay equity conversation? Yeah, it's, it's a great point because when we are looking at the different salary information we get, we are trying to normalize the data as much as possible. And we know that there are different titles going on, different leveling uh, across agencies. There are some similarities, but to become a VP in one agency is very different than another. So it makes it also challenging when you're trying to compare across and to make that work. To try and collapse it, I think you can get to some sort of commonality. We already have commonality in terms of the types of departments that exist, but I also believe that agencies view that as an opportunity to differentiate and to be able to connect into their culture. So I think you're going to always find that there's going to be some commonality in terms of, okay, you're going to have a creative department. But within that, the way that you view, the way you staff that and the levels and the titles will just be different. Yeah, I think there's a lot of variation in title uh, for sure. And I think that does create challenges. I think you can map them. And I think it starts with your own company first. So do I have clarity in terms of what these roles are, what the steps are, what my opportunities for advancement are? Often in Companies like ours, advancement comes through a new business pitch, and then we get to build out and hire a whole new team. That becomes an avenue for people to be promoted. That's a, a unique method. Often, as you said, Jai, as the needs of our clients change, the types of services we need change, and the market environment changes in terms of the value of those services. So the market's a big player in this as well. We compete for talent with everybody. We compete with talent for across the advertising industry, but also with big tech, who are many of our, many of our clients too. So there's a lot of, of factors to play in. I think you have to be able to simplify your, your titling system as a company, justify that. And clearly you have to be able to then sell those to your clients. It's important that they understand them as well. They have to value them. And then map it back to some broader industry data, which is what Marla was talking about. And that, that's important as a, as a gut check for everybody to, to see that. We can learn from the big tech companies who've been doing it for years and try to get an understanding of what these roles look like, what the pay looks like across these spans. But I think you really going to have to start with your own internal processes first and your own internal titling first. So as we look ahead, I'd love to hear from you both. Do you see companies sharing their EDI data in the coming year? Maybe Marla, I can start with you. Yes, I hope so. No. Uh, yes, I believe we will see an increase. We have to remove the stigma behind sharing the data uh, as we've said so many times, you can't solve the problem if you can't openly share the issue. And it's, my, in my opinion, it's not the responsibility of one individual or just the leaders. It's 
the responsibility of every individual at an organization to drive that systemic change. And that starts with awareness and actions to address those issues. And I do believe that more will share the data, either because they see that it is the right thing to do, that it helps them as a company. But we're also going to see clients start compelling agencies to share that data. And we're going to see employees pushing very hard internally for their leaders to be able to share that information. So we're going to hopefully see change because it's the right thing to do and it will help the organization. But I also think there's going to be some pushing and nudging to make that happen. And over to you, Sean. Yes, absolutely. I think more will uh, for the reasons that Marla mentioned. I also think the 4As plays a, a big role in leading this, so I appreciate what Marla's doing. It has to be normalized. This can't be something that's extraordinary. That's really what I'd like to bring up is it has to just become part of what you do as a company, part of what we do as an industry. In some ways, it should become boring, become normal business. And we should be talking about it and addressing and fixing the problems. That's what I'd like to see, and that's what I expect to happen. I'm speaking with you know several different CEOs of different agencies and talking about what we could do as a group, I've encouraged many people to share the data just because I know it helps and I know it works. So yes, I do. I have hope that that will happen. And I, I also know, to use an overused word, but there's a journey here, right? There's, there's going to be steps forward. There's going to be steps back. And there'll be a tendency to kind of maybe look at the data and, and feel bad about what happened. Or as Marla said, feel stigmatized. You don't do that. It's actually, it's the health thing again. How do I improve myself? How do I get healthier? How do I get better? You look at that data as a point of inspiration, a point of um, creating a moment for yourself to change. And honestly, having a regular publishing schedule, I just can't say that enough. It just it makes it normal. Companies report financials quarterly. Public companies do. Why wouldn't they do this quarterly? What's the difference? Mm -hmm. And that allows you then to kind of plan and focus and not think that it's some extraordinary moment where you have to do this. So I just wanted to ask Sean to the point that you made, and I so appreciate that you are talking to CEOs, trying to get them comfortable with sharing their data. What are some of the barriers that they're sharing with you as an issue that's preventing them from just publicly sharing the information? I think there's a variety of answers. I think sometimes there's a, um, I'm not allowed to share my data. I wasn't explicitly given permission to do that either. So, and I think there's just this, what do you feel is the right thing to do? And you're going to have to do that. I think some of it's that, some of it's making sure everything is organized and right before they do that. That's also not the best answer because you have to start, take that first step. I think it's, it really is, it needs encouragement from all sides. It just needs encouragement from the industry. It needs encouragement from clients. It needs encouragement from other peers. And that's really the step. It should not be, honestly, it should not be the clients asking. It's on us to do that, right? I've found when you work with a client in the way that we've done with Verizon, the way we've done with Google, it's far more effective. And it's, it's actually becomes uh, part of how we work together, part of how it's woven into the day in, day out work. It's, it has the same challenges. It doesn't make it any easier to fix the problems, but it creates an ongoing kind of stream of dialogue where we can address those things. So I'm happy to talk with anybody, Marla, that you feel I could speak to that you know that might be questioning whether they should do that or not. I could do that privately you know, just to make sure I can kind of ensure people that it's the absolute best step forward. That's great. Thank you. And Marla, I think with the four A's having an industry view and sharing that data, I really hope that that gives people 
not necessarily comfort in the numbers, but comfort in knowing that this is industry-wide. So it's okay to share and that transparency is going to be something that employees for sure are going to be expecting to see. So to wrap up, what do you both hope EDI data transparency can unlock and activate? And what would you say success looks like? Well, I think it unlocks many, many things, EDI data, because it's the it was the first step for a reason for us, right? And it goes back to the theme of what we spoke about. It's not an end-all, be-all, but it really becomes the first step because it gets it's a mirror. You're able to see where you are precisely. You're able to see who you are as a company, which is very impactful. It also is freeing in some senses because you're sharing it. You're sharing the data broadly and you're able to kind of have dialogue and conversation about it. So so that that's what it unlocks. I think, you know, what does success look like? I think when we think in terms like that, I feel like you you think that there's an end point. Success is like a finish line or something like that. And, and we all know that's not the case. I think success for me is the normalization of this discussion, the increase of diverse leadership across the industry and across companies, clients and agencies working more together on the issues. That's what success looks like to me. And then doing those things will result in better engagement, better attrition, being a more attractive place to work for people because we are competing. This is, a, this is an environment. So we have to think about the market, which is great. We actually have a, a market out there that can influence the behaviors tremendously of agencies, of companies and clients. So that is a major motivator and that will enable, I think, growth and change in our, in our industry. So that, that's how I see success. I think for the agency community, the need to embrace data transparency and as Sean said, to normalize it, this should just be something that we do every day. If you truly want to drive change, that's where you need to start. And success to me is when every agency across all levels and most importantly at the leadership level actually reflects society and therefore the advertising that is created and the work that it is done, they can actually truly mirror that with representation internally and externally. That is what success looks like. And it will not happen tomorrow. But if we don't start now and if we don't start taking it very seriously, we're not going to have the kind of change we need in the next few years. Thanks for joining me, Sean and Marla. It makes me proud to work in this industry and at RGA knowing that we are having the tough conversations and most importantly, being transparent and doing the work. And we all know that this industry has a lot of work to do when it comes to equity and diversity creation, and that data transparency is a vital step for any company in its path to creating an equitable workplace for all. So in the next podcast, I'll be joined by Tony Affick, founder of Black and Brilliant, and we'll discuss how we exercise allyship. Thanks to all our listeners for joining. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, Forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.